living on this planet has an idea, has a knowledge of God, whether it be the man in the African jungle, the woman in the Asian village, the tribe in the Amazon rainforest, or the nomad wandering through the Arabian desert, even if they've never heard the name Jesus, even if they have never heard the gospel, they have seen God in creation. The Lord has revealed Himself to them through nature. This is what many Bible scholars call general revelation. General revelation. Okay. All right. I mentioned all those people in those remote parts of the world. I talked about unreached people. What about the innocent guy in Africa who's never heard the gospel? What happens to him when he dies? What happens to this innocent man? The answer to that is easy. He goes straight to heaven without question. Do you know why? That man doesn't exist. There is no innocent man in Africa or Asia or in Wyoming or on the Central Coast. If there were, that man, that woman would not need the gospel because they would be without sin and they would go straight to heaven. There are no innocent, unreached people in this world. There are guilty Sinners who will stand before God and be judged, that is, friends, is why they need Christ. So we need not just general revelation, but special revelation, you see? Special revelation where God speaks to His people. It's interesting, the passage that Ralph just read for us is Psalm 19. And if you were to cut that chapter in half, almost in a sense, the first seven verses deal, six verses, I suppose, deal with general revelation, doesn't it? But we're not left just with that. We have special revelation where the Lord actually speaks. And so what I want to do And our time this morning is hone in, is focus on special revelation. How is God's word described and what is the effect of God's word? The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord. You see, there is a, a, what is it? And then what it does. What it is, what it does. That's actually what I want to look at in our time this morning, the power of God's Word. So before we look at Psalm 19 and unpack that together, let's, let's look to the Lord now and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. And Lord, we come now this morning in different places, um, some 
distracted, Lord, some disinterested, some sitting here unregenerate. Lord, some here excited. Uh, there, we could go on, Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves, and so we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Christ's name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, look here in Psalm 19, because as mentioned, um, the first six verses are about general revelation. The sun and the moon and the stars, right, display God in nature. That's true, but that's, that's not all. The Lord gives us special revelation, His words. We actually need both. We need both. Some people will say, oh, well, I really want to connect with God as I go on a bushwalk. And that's true. And that is true, and God does disclose Himself in creation, but it's not just in creation. It's in words. It's right here. It is, it's, and it's interesting because when you look at Psalm 19, it's not like we just, like I said, it's not like we just have general revelation. We need, we need what's called special revelation. It, all the way back to the beginning, by the way. Not, not just us here, but I, I want you to think in your mind for a moment. Just, just imagine in your mind. Think of Adam and Eve. Picture them sitting in the Garden of Eden. Just picture that in your mind for a moment. No doubt the Garden of Eden was gorgeous, right? Beautiful. Paradise. It's really Eden, what that means. And as they look around, they could see God's creation, right? As maybe they sat there together, you can just picture Adam and Eve and watched a, a sunrise or a sunset. Beautiful, no doubt. No doubt they could acknowledge that there was a creator. But how would they know God's will for their lives? How would they discover that their purpose was to rule the earth, to cultivate the garden, to be fruitful and multiply? How would they know that? Well, God had to communicate this to them in words. General revelation wasn't enough. Robert Sosi has some helpful thoughts here. Listen to what he says, and it'll come up here on the screen. He says, while the universe and human nature reveal something of God, they were never designed to supply all that God wants us to know about Himself and His will for us. God made us for Himself. He created us for fellowship with Him, our Maker. Surrounded by the beauty of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve knew the handiwork of God, but to know God personally, they needed direct communication. From the beginning, therefore, God revealed Himself not only through His creation, but also directly through words. Speaking of Adam and Eve, think about them for a moment when you consider sin entering the world. Well, you really need God's specific words then, don't you? You have the promise of a Savior 
right? On that very sad and awful day, there's a promise that one day God would send the deliverer to crush death, right? Genesis 3.15, right? That the, the seed of the woman will actually crush the serpent's head one day. Well, you need that. You need God speak in words. So now let's, let's zero in on this idea of God speaking. It's, it's spoken, special revelation here in Picking up in verse 7, I want you to notice as we do, notice the source. Notice in your Bible, six different times he says, notice this phrase, if you have your Bible there, of the Lord. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord. Six different times we have the source indication. Did you see that? of the Lord, of the Lord, of, in case you missed it, of the Lord, of the Lord, six different source indicators and six different descriptions. If you have your Bible in front of you, you'll notice verse 7, notice the description. God's Word is perfect and sure. In verse 8, Right and pure. Verse 9, clean and true. Six different source indicators and six different descriptions. The scriptures are from God. No literature, no literature will ever have an impact upon you greater than God's word. Newspapers, magazines, books on psychology, even theological works. Nothing will have a greater impact on your life than God's Word. All those books, all the magazines, those are written by fallible men. But we are given God's perfect, infallible Word to us. So nothing will have a more penetrating impact on your life than this book. The Bible actually testifies about itself. Do you know that? The Bible actually speaks. This is interesting. The Bible speaks about what it does. It says, for the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even in dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Everyone in this room, no offense, you have wicked hearts, myself included. We need our hearts judged by what God says in His Word. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Are you feeling good and uplifted? You should, because God's Word is what you need, my friend. The Word of God, nothing will have a greater impact on your life than this book. God's perfect, infallible, inspired, inerrant Word will penetrate, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Now, let's, let's look here in verse 7. Notice, the law, here we go, ready? The law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect. This is the law. This is uh, the word you use there is Torah, which means the law, the prophets, the writings, 
This is, listen friend, the manual on how people are to behave from the manufacturer, you see? And, and what's the law's description? Well, it's, well, it's perfect. You see that? It's all-sided. It's, it's fully orbed. You can ask people today and they'll say it's, it's fallible book written by men. It's archaic. It's antiquated. It's this. It's right, you know, throw it out, throw it out, throw it out, cut it out. But actually the Bible's own testimony about itself, God's testimony about his own word is that it's actually fully orbed. It's all-sided. It's perfect. It's without error. The law of the Lord is perfect. And what does it do? If it's God's word, given, what does it do? Notice, verse 7 again, reviving the soul. Reviving the soul or restoring the life. The word soul there could be, it's nephesh in Hebrew. It could be meaning life, soul. What does that mean? Well, it's simple. God uses His Word to regenerate, to give birth to dead hearts. God uses His Word to draw His people to Himself. God uses a word as a means to regenerate His elect. God uses His words to regenerate His chosen people. 1 Peter 1.23, you have been born again, listen, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Or James 1.18, he chose to give us birth. Did you, hear, did you hear the language there? You can see it up here. You have been born again. Look at the, Go to the next one here, Rob, for me. Of his own will... He brought us forth by, notice, what's the means? By the word of truth. The word of God just nails you. It did to a bloke back in 1918, a horrible person, rat bag of a guy named Tokaichi Ichi. I know, I had to practice that one. 1918, this man was a murderous guy that went to jail over 20 times in his life. He was so bad that they decided to actually kill him. And while in prison, he had no remorse about all the wicked things he had done. In fact, one day he even attacked one of the prison guards. And so because he did that... Um, he was gagged and bound, and his body was suspended in such a way that his feet barely reached the ground. So you just picture him hanging there, and they're trying to humble the guy and say, look, what you, you, know, you can't attack the prison guards. He didn't care. He, he refused to say he was sorry for what he had done. And he knew that his execution was slowly approaching. And so one day, not... Not long before he was to be executed, he was visited by two missionary women who gave him a New Testament. And these women handed him a New Testament, and he knew, well, what else am I supposed to do? I've only got a few days to live. I'll have a go and start reading it. And as he read God's Word, 
he was nailed to the heart. In fact, when he got to the place of Jesus' passion, when Jesus is on the cross, and Jesus says these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That one little sentence exploded onto his mind, and he was converted. Listen to what he says, quote, I was stabbed to the heart as if by a five-inch nail. What did this verse reveal to me? Shall I call it the love of the heart of Christ? Shall I call it His compassion? I do not know what to call it. I only know that with an unspeakably grateful heart, I believed. And he later was executed, but said he knew that it was just what he had for the sins that he had done, but he knew that he trusted Christ because of Christ's promises. The Word of God nails you, reviving the soul. He chose to give us birth through the Word of truth. Our, our Word, our, our lives are created are given birth to by the Word of God and are sustained by the Word of God. Do you understand? Notice it doesn't say revive the soul. If it's, like it's, not, it's not, do you understand? It's not just a one-off, right? Like, oh, yeah, 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 it's a, I, I had that once. No, no, reviving the soul. You, can, can you see that, the ongoingness of it? Reviving the soul. What we need it every day. We need to continually be reminded of who God is, His character, who Christ is, reviving the soul. We need to preach the gospel daily to ourselves. How do we do that? Getting into God's Word. Reviving the soul. Our lives are made, reborn by God's Word and remain because of God's Word. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Verse 7, notice the testimony of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord is sure. You see, you understand, this is not just law dropped down on us. This is God revealing His heart to us. God's self-disclosure. Every time you open up this book, you need to pray that you'd understand a bigger, get a bigger picture of who God is, His attributes, His character, His grace. And notice the description, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Do you see that? It's reliable in an unreliable world. You know, Dan, I think rightly, Started off the service just at the time of lament and thinking about, uh, you know, our world's not all hunky-dory right now, is it? No. But this book is trustworthy. It's reliable in an unreliable world. Now, what does this testimony do? Notice it takes someone foolish and makes them wise, you see? Making wise the simple. The root of the 
word simple there in Hebrew is open door. Simple means an open door. People that were viewed to have an open door were like someone that says, well, I have an open mind. You hear someone say that? I have an open mind. That's how people were viewed as, as simple in this literature because everything went in and everything went out. They had no way to discern. Everything went in and everything went out. And what is this author saying here in Psalm 19? The Word of God is so reliable that it takes someone simple, undiscerning, and makes them skilled in obeying Christ. Makes them skilled in holy living. Do you understand? It takes someone who doesn't know their left hand from their right. It takes someone who has no clue. You know, one of the things that I'm always shocked by, and I think as we live in a progressively secular society, you talk with people and they have absolutely no idea that the lifestyle or things that they're doing is, is actually disobeying the Lord. They just share it. It's always astonishing to me because my kids play soccer and I talk with the parents and they just go, oh, yeah, 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 as if I'm going, oh, yeah, totally, yeah, 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 me too. I live that way. They, just, they, they don't know their right hand from their left, morally speaking. I'm not saying that because I'm better than them, by the way. Therefore, the grace of God go I. I'm simply saying they have absolutely no clue. Everything goes in, everything goes out. But the Word of God, if it impacts their life, actually takes someone like that and makes them wise and holy living. You see? Only God's Word can do that. What else do we have? Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord. You see that? Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord. This is doctrines, truth, that provide the right path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? Uh, and, a, and a light unto my path. Yeah, that's right. Because Dan turned off all the lights, kids. You remember that? What is, what is God's word saying here, though? Not only is it a light to the path, but it actually describes what the path is. It's the path itself to life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Do you hear that? His delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And you know what that guy is like, kids? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does prospers. You see, that, that's, that's what God's Word does. It's a light unto our path. And notice, so that we can feel really smug about ourselves. Is that the result? So that we can feel really smug, we can look down our noses at other people. No, rejoicing the heart. You see that? Makes the heart sing because of God's grace. Yeah, I mean, have you ever... <laughs> am I the only one that's ever experienced this? You read, even if you're not, whatever, you're just saying you're having an average day, not a great day, not a bad day. You just read God's word and it just completely reorients the way that you're supposed to think. Am I the only one? Good. I, I mean, honestly, like it, you just go, wow. And then you just, after the fact, you realize what a wretch you are and how good God's grace is. And you just want to put on a worship song and just sing. Or maybe, if you're bold enough and no one's around, you sing. 
Because you're just your your heart is glad in God. Look, if the only time you open up your Bible is here, which I actually hope you bring your Bible and you open it up here, but if the only time that you do that is here, I just don't know how that works. Like I, I just I, like how 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 is your heart delighting in Christ? I just I, I, for thirty minutes. If this is like food, but you just, you know, do you only eat one meal a week? Like, we, we need God's Word, right? Like, we need, we need this every day. And, and not, just to encourage you, rather than be like, oh, man, all oh, crumbs. I remember, when this is over, I better roll my sleeves up and go read for like five hours. Let's, just, let's listen, if you want to. But we have a Bible reading plan. I just want to encourage you. Uh, Raynard just announced it earlier. Uh, it's really simple. We've, we've designed it, or we, Dan, designed it um, in such a way to where it shouldn't take you more than, tw- I mean, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. But it's designed to where our whole church is to go through this together. We're going through the book of Judges recently. Wowzers, right? And, and you're able, hopefully, you're able, as, as you're able to do that, you're being shaped, you're being fashioned, being molded by God's Word. But, but that can only happen through a, a, an ongoing thing, you see? E- even if you feel kind of, the, the goal of this, look, even, I haven't succeeded if you kind of feel like, like, you know, if you feel crummy right now, and you feel guilty, and then you go and just, I'm going to go read my, but you actually don't even do it. Like, that, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> that's, not even my, that's not even my goal right now. I'm just trying to push you along to say, hey, what a great reminder for all, for the, for all of us, isn't it? But also to say, look, let's, let's, let's be reminded, like we, we need a window into the real world here of what's really going on. Not assessing things by our own two cents. Definitely not hearing things from the media, but to see God's word and then understand and sort of look at the world through his word. Make sense? Rejoicing the heart. Notice the verse 8 again, the commandment of the Lord. This views Scripture as mandates, demands. It's not just a manual on human behavior, but particular commands laid out for us. People will come to me, often as a pastor, and they say things like, I just want to know God's will for my life. Great question. But often, God's will is always laid out for them right here. John Stott says, the will of God for the people of God has been revealed in the word of God. It's always astonishing to me too when people, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be high and mighty up here, but it's always astonishing to me when people are living in sexual immorality and they say, I just want to know what God's will is for me. Well, the Bible says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you avoid sexual immorality. You learn to control your body, not like the passionate lust, like the heathen. You do not know God. It's just shocking. Someone comes to you and says, oh, I just want to know what God's will is. But, but, I'm, but I'm pushing the envelope uh, in, in ways, pushing my body to do things that are sexually immoral and wrong. That's not God's will for your life. You don't need a, a writing in the sky for that. It's been laid out for you. And let me make something clear here. 
I hope, I hope I'm clear. If this book, if you've got it here, and this is a commandment, you don't need a God tickle in order to obey it. You don't need, a, you don't need to uh, get a dream. You don't need to feel like it's right in your gut. You don't need to hear from the Lord. You've got it, friend. All Scripture is given by inspiration by God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. You have it right here. You don't need, you don't need someone to come and say, you know, I'm a Jedi Knight and I sense this and this is what's going on and here you go. You've got it right here. In fact, delayed obedience is disobedience. Okay? If the Lord says it, that settles it. Does that make sense? You don't need a God tickle. You don't need... It's plain sense meaning of Scripture. In fact, if you're banking on, well, the Lord, even though I know the Lord says it, but I need to feel it. And I would say, look, I think you're putting your own subjective feelings above what the Scripture has to say. I really do. I really do. Because then you're banking your whole life on subjective feelings and emotions. Where the Lord has made it absolutely abundantly, emphatically clear in His Word. God has said everything that He needs to has said, and it's here in His Word for us. Notice the description, the commandment of the Lord. How is it described? It is pure, clear. Notice that? It's not ambiguous. And what does that mean? If it's clear, if it's not, if it's, if it's not, if it's not vague. Well, what does it do? Well, it enlightens your eyes. It enlightens my eyes. You see? We need our eyes enlightened. Don Carson is probably one of my heroes. And he's off, he uses this phrase. He says, it's not long walking in the Christian life until you get kicked in the teeth. It's a great, it's a great picture. We don't, we don't, we don't you know... As a Christians, we're not, there's a new heavens and new earth coming. We ain't there yet. Okay? And so when you're kicked in the teeth, what do you do? How do you, how do you sauce it out? Well, God's word says, consider it pure joy. James 1, 2. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hey, look, and if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. You see? And, and don't be like a double-minded man who's unstable in all he does. No, no, no. Be like the person who's anchored in God's word. But, but again, when you're not reading this, and this is not shaping your life on a regular basis, you are going to inevitably assess your being kicked in the teeth as unfair, unjust. You'll blame God. You'll blame the church. You'll blame your pastor. You'll blame all your spouse. You'll blame all these things. How about seeing it as a way that God is actually shaping you and molding you to the image of Christ? How about seeing those trials that way? Well, that's what James says. But how, do, how are you going to know that thing? Because, you know, in the heat of the moment, it... it when it's particularly when it's something significant, you're going to forget those things. 
But that's why we need God's word. That's why we need God's word hidden in our heart that so that we may not sin against him. We need our eyes enlightened. Notice verse 9. It's interesting. It almost feels like it takes a detour here, but it doesn't. The fear of the Lord. You see that? In a list with law and testimonies, precepts, commandment, and so on, the fear of the Lord seems kind of out of place, right? The fear of the Lord. But, but here the phrase is used objectively. That is, it refers to the body of knowledge about God. You have to know Him properly in order to fear Him. And to do so, to fear God, is actually clean. You see that? It's, it isn't wrong. It's without error, actually, literally is what it means. Because God's Word is timeless, enduring forever. Can you see that there? And I love that, enduring forever. Do you know what that means? The, the Bible says, Paul says in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. You and I could go anywhere in the world and preach the gospel and the Lord will do his work. His, his word will never return to him void. That is amazing. I've had the opportunity to pastor in Hawaii with Hawaiian kids. I've lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I've had the opportunity to preach in little barn churches in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. I've preached to some interesting folks on the central coast. No, but I, and God's word never returns void. You go anywhere in the world. Paul says, that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The Lord will do his work. That's why we put such an emphasis, by the way, on preaching. And that's why as long as Dan and Andrew and myself are here, we will continue to have this time of the worship service as central. Because we believe that when God's word is rightly preached, God speaks to his people. And that's why we take so much time doing this, because we believe that this is absolutely central to what a church does. Fear of the Lord. Now, I find this verse 10 striking, actually, because sometimes we, again, uh, the goal here hasn't been to guilt you, but sometimes we feel that reading the Bible is sort of like a, a it's like a, you know, reporting for work, sir. Reading my Bible, sir. Yes, sir. It's like a discipline, right? It's like a duty. Like, we, we have to do it. We have to silence our mobile phones. Um, we have to do things like that. Reporting for duty, sir. Yes, sir. Right? But look, notice here, I, I find this fascinating how is God's word described in verse 10? It says, More to be desired are they than gold, and much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. What is this honey stuff? I mean, I thought, I thought reading God's word was a discipline. I thought it was a duty. I thought it was like SAS. You wake up, you do 50 push-ups in the morning, and you read your Bible. Oorah, right? So now God doesn't want you to read his Bible in a guilt-inducing, ho-hum way. He wants you to read the Bible, his word, and to savor it like honey. You, you, you can picture King David. 
maybe walking through ancient Palestine. It's a hot day. He's cruising around the forest, and he looks up, and he notices up in the tree, he sees a bee's nest. And he takes a stick, sticks it into the bee's nest, pulls out this massive glob of honey, takes the honey off of the stick, like it came from the source at Aaron Affair or whatever, takes that local raw organic honey, sticks that big old glob in his mouth and goes, mmm, that's like God's word. That's how sweet it is. That, that's, what, that's what he's saying here in Psalm 19. God's word is, it's not like nasty vegetables that you have to choke down. It's sweeter than honey. It's, it's a pavlova. It's ice cream. It's whatever, it's whatever your favorite dessert is. That's what he's saying. It's a beautiful thing. And notice, who can discern his heirs? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. What, what language, isn't it? Sin can have such a stranglehold on your life. It, it can be conscious and unconscious. And that's why he says, I want to be blameless and innocent of great transgression and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Only God's word reminds you of these things. Friend, can I encourage you? As I said in the beginning, nothing will have a greater impact on your life. And I'd encourage you, even after this, rather than say, oh, I better, I know how we all work as humans. Oh, I, better, I, better, I better get stuck into it. You know. Just set a time, as in even this afternoon. Most of you have Sunday off where you can just start reading through the Bible. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, I just encourage you to start with the Gospel of Mark. Start there. Look at the life and ministry of Christ. Look at his person. Look at his word. Look at his work. You, you, you will be blown away. The word of God, and, and maybe some of you, you're not even converted. Well, that's okay, because year, over 100 years ago, some random rat bag in Japan, Tokiichi Ichi, was nailed to the heart. So let's get stuck into God's word. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We, we praise you for the opportunity to study it, to be here, to reflect. We pray that the truths that were learned wouldn't just be sentimental things or interesting ideas or even things that made us feel guilty for a moment, but Lord, stuff that actually causes us to change, to be conformed to you. Lord, we praise you that we're not saved because of Bible reading. We're saved because of the blood of Christ shed on the cross for us. As we reflect upon that now, Lord, we pray that we would draw near to you. In Christ's name, amen. You know, the Bible says to, uh, we're about to take a time to reflect upon Christ's body broken for us and his blood shed on the cross. The Bible actually says that this is a moment where we need to examine ourselves. Examine yourself. If you're here and you are in Christ and you are a Christian and by obedience to Christ you have been baptized, then we encourage you to participate in this time 
of reflecting on those realities, those amazing work of Jesus on our behalf. But if you're, not, if you're here and, and, you, and you're not in that space, maybe if you're here and you need to actually just examine yourself, I'd encourage you to do so now. At this time, the helpers are going to distribute. It's interesting, this, it's like our little airplane, I call it, our little airplane uh, communion cups. But this is to, it's not just, it is juice, but what we're doing is just, it's, it's pointing beyond that. Christ's blood shed on the cross and his body broken for us. So as you grab those little, uh, the cup there, take all the bits and pieces off, hold on to it, and we'll actually take it together as a church family. Paul writes this for us in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand together and worship our Lord through song now.
Only for 